Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, and welcome to the Tortoise Podcast. I'm Basha Cummings, and this week, yet again, I've been usurped by one of my colleagues. Because we've sent Dave Taylor, an editor at Tortoise, we've sent him to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to report on a remarkable week in American politics and the beginning of the final phase of the presidential race. Hi, Dave. Hey, Basha. How's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. We just made it to Pennsylvania if you like to see pumped-up opponents thudding into each other, this is a great week to be in America. We've got Sunday night Super Bowl. You get the first votes of the 2020 election on Monday in Iowa. Tuesday is Trump's State of the Union address. And then on Wednesday, the end of his impeachment trial. So there's a lot of tribal partisan brawling going on. And we've come to one of the battlegrounds for 2020 to look at the fight. Brilliant. Thanks, Dave. Tell me who you voted for in 2016. I, uh, I I hate to say this, but I voted for Trump. This is Dwayne Miller. He's 82 and has a paint shop in Northampton County, Pennsylvania. And that was because of the uh, the economy that I had perceived in my as a local businessman. And uh, I I disagreed with what he said, but I was looking at a policy from the. Uh, the party. I was looking for some changes in the Democrat Republican parties. So how did you feel about it immediately afterwards the next morning when he, when he won? When I went to bed, they had Hillary ahead by about two, two or three percentage points. I went up to bed, I said, this election is done. Hillary won. So I went up and went to bed and went to sleep. My wife the next morning when I come down says, well, guess who our president is? <laughs> So we just turned into um, the town of Bethlehem in Pennsylvania. We've, uh, we've driven about 80 miles west from New York City. And the reason we've come here when all of these events are going on around the country is because it's going to be in places like this, former steel region, where the 2020 election is decided. We've got this extraordinarily moody view of just one after another of these broken down former Steelworks. Wow, this is amazing. It's really humbling to stand underneath these five blast furnaces 
They're 20 stories high, this fantastical tangle of chimneys and walkways and bellows and cauldrons, things that go up and twist round corners, and everything with this coating of rust, this bright orange, dark brown, salmon pink, layers are peeling off, scrubby trees are growing. Right on the right side over here. See it? You all see it? Charlie, who's our guide, calls them monsters. Then, more poetically, cathedrals to industrial heritage. They're definitely a monument to generations of people who did dangerous work to build modern America. It's so hot in there, the iron breaks out of the iron ore and rains down fire. And it comes down, it looks like lava coming out of a volcano in Hawaii. It's an orange glow. At its height, when this place employed 33,000 people, these furnaces burned at 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. My friend Bruce, who worked here, said, if you were getting close to this, this glowing hot metal, if you get a little close to it without your safety protection on, your eyebrows would be singed off just like that. That molten metal went into the Golden Gate Bridge, the skeleton frame of the Empire State Building, and at the height of World War II, steel for more than a thousand warships. But these furnaces have been cold since 1995, and they're not coming back to life. They seem like tombstones. What did Bruce Springsteen say? There's a darkness on the edge of town. This is Northampton County, Pennsylvania, and Northampton County had a special role in Trump's victory over Hillary Clinton in 2016. And it was just a few thousand votes spread across three states, Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, that made the difference four years ago. So the counties that flipped from Obama to Trump, 209 of them, out of 3,100 across the states, will be the key to what happens this November. If Trump's going to lose in 2020, he probably has to be beaten in places like Northampton County. Okay. So it's Sunday and it's the Super Bowl. We've spotted a place called Joe's Tavern Bar and Grill, and I'm about to be that guy, the one who wants to talk about politics when there's a game on. But I shouldn't have worried. It turns out that most nights people are ready to get into it on Trump. And you just came out. You, you're always do the. They're all the same, both sides things. I'm like, no, it's an oversimplification of the. That was Jack. Beard, t-shirt, tattoos, early thirties self-described Bernie guy. No one I knew personally was like excited about Hillary, but we're like, all right, whatever. And you said you're obviously I mean, I'm really encouraged by the momentum Bernie has. Yeah. And nationally, it seems like he's there too. Joe Biden is like absolutely, a, uh, he does nothing for me. But at the same time, if he gets the nomination, I'll go knock on doors and act like I like Joe Biden. Like, cause I just think it's like Trump is an existential threat. One of Jack's regular sparring partners is on a stool at the bar. Jim. He's a big guy. Pittsburgh Steelers jacket, baseball cap, 57, and bills himself as ultra-conservative. You're probably looking, who did I support in 2016? Reluctantly, I disappoint Trump. Trump wasn't his first choice of Republican candidates. But, but to be perfectly honest with you, I could not be happier with my vote vote with president and, and I'll simply say this promises made promises kept 
Jim gets pretty animated as he reels off his Trump highlights. Conservative judges on the Supreme Court, tax cuts. Ethan behind the bar breaks off serving craft beers and pulled pork sandwiches to talk about how he manages to keep the peace in here. They say don't bring politics or religion into bars. Like, that's a silly thing. I don't mind, I don't mind it, um, as long as you're reasonable. If someone's willing to have a conversation, you know, someone who's in the stratosphere of the left and then Jim, Trump supporter, then like, you know, they can go out, they can go at it. Just like, don't, don't spew hate speech and don't yell at people. It strikes me that you're, um, you're almost um, hosting a civilized disagreement in a way that um, the, wider, the wider American society is signally failing. Yes. In the game, the 49ers have taken a convincing lead over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm talking to Brian now at the bar. He's ex-Air Force, 40 years old. He's a computer programmer now, working from home, a lifelong Democrat. At the moment, I am partial to Elizabeth Warren. Oh, you. I, I do like her. Um, very, very smart woman. She's, uh, I, I just feel like uh, she's sort of a technocrat, uh, which is uh, kind of what I would like right now. Someone that's going to buckle down and go to work and not be bombastic and, um, you know, Trump. In the closing minutes, Kansas City suddenly exploded into life for a dramatic comeback win, their first Super Bowl title in 50 years. Back from the dead, and surely a metaphor for something. It's Monday, and all eyes are on Iowa as the first voters in 2020 have their say in the Democratic race to take on Trump in November. We went to see Chris Borick. He's Professor of Political Science at Muhlenberg College in neighbouring Allentown. I wanted to know more about what happened in 2016 and what it takes to win here. He says Northampton County is divided in ways that make it a lot like a microcosm of the swing state of Pennsylvania and even the country. This area come November, October of this year will be smothered in campaign attention. It will be an epicenter, right, of, of a campaign. Uh, Democrats could win here. Republicans could win here. It's got uh, urban centers in places like Bethlehem and Easton um, that are diversifying, um, becoming uh, more ethnically and racially diverse. It has very big um, growth areas in the suburbs. And then a 15-minute ride down the road, uh, and you've reached farm fields and little rural towns. So while Boric thought in 2016 it seemed to be leaning Hillary, he wasn't shocked when Trump won. I suppose the shock to um, to outsiders in particular is the the notion that any county anywhere in America could vote twice for Obama and then flip to Trump. Can you explain that to people? Yeah, it's 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 if you look at who who kind of fit that model, you're thinking, well, who who could these people be? The kind of popular notion um, and it is borne out a little bit by the data, is it's, it's some folks that feel disaffected by the economic and political systems that they turn to Obama uh, because he represented something new, you know, change, if you will, with his, his motto. Uh, and that Trump, um, after eight years where folks might not have seen as much change as they wanted, 
represented an opportunity coming from a very different perspective, um, but ultimately speaking to their same anxieties, their same discontent with, you know, the, the fragility of their their economic lives, uh, their community's um, direction. Boric says Trump inspired high enthusiasm and high turnout, especially in rural areas of the county. We went to meet Tara Sarinsky. In 2016, she was knocking on literally thousands of doors as a canvasser for Hillary Clinton, and she sensed a different mood. You would see split households where, you know, either the wife or the husband were a Democrat and a Republican living together, and they're like, I'm not going to vote, I'm just going to cancel it out. Or worse, you would hear, I can't vote because I'll cancel out my husband's vote, and you were just appalled. You know, the Confederate flags started to come out, the Trump flags were out, and, and you were thinking, wow, I've lived here my whole entire life, and I've never heard this kind of stuff before. So did that mean that when Election Day arrived, you had a sense that it might go Trump's way? Yes, we we did. We were frightened. We all went our separate ways because we were pretty much exhausted. And I can remember drinking a half a beer and falling asleep and waking up at 11.30, 12 o'clock, and just thinking, oh my God, Trump is going to win. And by 2 o'clock in the morning... I uh, went upstairs to my partner and I was like bawling my eyes out and I woke him up and I said, "Uh, Trump won. And he goes, you're having a nightmare. Just go back to sleep. And I'm like, no, I've been watching the news all night long. They just declared him the winner. The next morning, I went to the Starbucks up the street because, you know, you got to go on with your day. I had classes to teach and things like that. And I remember all these women gathered there, and we were crying with each other. In Starbucks. In Starbucks. So that was 2016. Chris Borick says, since then, there are indications of change in the county and momentum from the left. It's been a wasteland for Republicans (laughs) since Donald Trump won in the county. Uh, They've lost the control of county government in the 2018 midterms. Uh, the Democratic candidate for Congress in in the area that included Northampton County won Northampton County easily, which raises the question, you know, is, is he dragged down a lot of Republicans um, in his success here? And can he once again repeat his own magic? But I also see some erosion uh, on the edges of some of his support. You know, for folks that might have taken a flyer on him in in 2016 and maybe have a little bit of buyer's remorse. How has the county fared economically since 2016? It's it's been great. I mean, by most macroeconomic indicators, the Northampton County economy is booming. Um, it's you know, an unemployment rate uh, is lower than the state average. Uh, it's at historical low levels. Um, so certainly the economic conditions in the valley don't undermine his message. Uh, and I'm sure he'll uh, go forward with touting those accomplishments. So it's Tuesday, and we thought we would have the first actual results on the Democratic field. But no, Iowa went for a whizzy new app 
to tally the results and everything went embarrassingly wrong. In the late hours, candidates all gave these weird, not-quite-victory speeches and then they flew off to New Hampshire without a single result declared. Finally, by 5pm, we got something. And it was good news for Pete Buttigieg, the small-town Indiana mayor, and also for Bernie Sanders, who were both vying for first place. It wasn't fatal for Elizabeth Warren in third, but Joe Biden, the sensible, centrist, safe choice was a really poor fourth. If you are, say, Mike Bloomberg, the billionaire former New York mayor, waiting to jump into the race, a stumbling Biden is what opens the door for you. I should say, the 41 delegates on offer in Iowa are a tiny fraction of what's going to be needed to get the Democratic nomination, and the race won't really take shape until Super Tuesday in March, when 14 states vote, including the big ones, California and Texas. But we can probably already bet on Bernie Sanders going deep and Biden has to hope that he can at least finish a decent second in the next contest in New Hampshire. Otherwise, you might find donors give up on him before he even gets to places like South Carolina where he should do well. But the blunders of Iowa have fed democratic tensions. People forget Trump won very narrowly last time and has been so divisive in office that he should be seen as beatable. But who's up to challenging him? Democrats are desperate to win, but do they go radical with someone like Sanders or Warren, or play safe with Biden? We can be certain Trump will fight hard, but will this be an election with undertones of socialism, centrism? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, Tortoise listener. Are you on top of the news or is it on top of you? Don't worry, we've got the solution. Paper Cuts is the fast, funny, daily podcast where we look at the wonder and weirdness of the British press. I'm Miranda Sawyer and every weekday I'm joined by top comedians and smart journalists for a roller coaster ride through the daily papers. Tune in and we'll bring you the biggest, the weirdest and the most entertaining stories of the day in one handy half-hour package. That's Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Subscribe on your favourite app. Or sexism. It depends on the opponent. Here's Chris Boric again on how the candidates might fare against Trump in Pennsylvania. First, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. If you voted two for Obama, one for Trump, and now Bernie's on the, the menu, uh, I think certainly a, a group of that uh, cohort may end up um, diverting over to, to Sanders. Uh, he certainly can energize younger voters, more progressive voters. And if you think the path to winning Pennsylvania is through expanded turnout of those groups, I believe Sanders is the type of candidate that would be able to give it the best uh, effort 
I do think that's the riskier path for Democrats. I think given the state and all, as I've seen historically how you win the state, that from the left perspective usually doesn't uh, culminate <laughs> in, in victory. It's not saying, I'm not saying it can't. I think there would be a, an avenue for that, but it's, it's a tighter avenue than it would be from winning from the, um, the center. And just thinking about Elizabeth Warren, what do you what do you see as her um, attributes when it comes to taking on Trump? Her her approach of being direct, challenging, confrontational, I, I imagine, could could appeal to some. She has, as does Bernie Sanders, um, a strong following among more progressive voters in the state. Um, I do I think gender um, was was an important factor in 2016 I do uh, and I think I think there's an, a gender uh, a gendered effect that may limit some of her reach in more middle of the road parts older parts of Pennsylvania that is just the reality of, of politics uh, that might add an extra challenge to her efforts to win the, win the state that chauvinism he talks about is real when you look at the state's record, in 2016, the state had 18 representatives in Congress and none of them were women. Pennsylvania voters had never elected a female governor and never sent a woman to the US Senate. But things have started to change. One of the big consequences of Trump's win in 2016 was that women stepped up. The Women's March after his inauguration was a show of defiance in pink pussy hats but the activism didn't stop there. Women started organising and running for office. Tara Zrinsky, who told us how devastated she was in Starbucks the morning after the election, is one of those women. It took a, a little bit of time. I had thought about it. Um, I needed to be convinced that I could uh, do it. But then she was at a meeting of about 80 Pennsylvania Democratic women. And somebody had heard that I was thinking about running. And they made the comment in front of all these people, maybe Tara will run. And I was like, maybe. And then that was it. I, it just sealed the deal. I felt like, I'm going to do this, no matter what. Mm -hmm. I have to. Because if I don't do something, I can't get rid of this feeling. You know, you're just angry. And you're frustrated. And if you do nothing, it just turns to, like, depression. I don't know quite how to put this, but has Donald Trump been your inspiration? Well, in, in a roundabout kind of way, I guess so. He's that um, that frustration that you kind of, I guess you're right, motivation would be the word that you call it. But I guess if you're looking for a silver lining in this uh, debacle, then that would be it. Zerinsky won a race to become only the second woman on the county council putting the Trump victory to one side for a second. Pennsylvania does seem to have a gender problem, doesn't it, when it comes to politics? Oh, definitely. You know, even when women are in office, they're perceived as um, a puppet or uh, an empty suit for some man that's above them. And when I got into a politics, I made it clear that that was not who I am. You know, I was gonna make my own way and my own decisions. This year, she's running for a higher office at state level. I think the Women's March is what stimulated everything. All those women in pink hats, 
all of a sudden you saw, oh my gosh, there's a coalition of women. This is solidarity. There's a, 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 a flame underneath women now. And they know we can do this. We're empowered. We can change things. Let's get out there and do it. We talked about the presidential race. And it seemed very telling to me that Tara went through the whole Democratic list praising people, everyone except Joe Biden. I know a lot of people here like Joe. He's very kind of conservative. I think Joe had his time. I, Joe's gaffes just bother me, you know. And people in my sphere, we, we joke around that, you know, when he comes here, he's, you know, going to sniff your hair and, like, give you a shoulder rub, <laughs> which is not what... Uh, we want in a president. We had one of those already, right? We don't need that again. And I think there's just a lot of other candidates that are much better. And I think Bernie's better for the country. I think it's time for Bernie. And I think there are enough young people who are going to vote. I think there are enough people who are angry who are going to vote across the country, and I hope in Pennsylvania, that he is going to prevail. So there is some Democratic optimism in Northampton County but it's about to run into some supreme Republican confidence. It's Tuesday night and we're heading for a party in a barn. Sounds great, doesn't it? Everyone will gather around the TV for roughly 70 minutes of Donald Trump, uninterrupted and with a captive audience on Capitol Hill. It's the final State of the Union address of his first term. Democrats hope it'll be his last. And we're told he'd be trying to strike a tone of optimism with a theme of the great American comeback, a long way from the American carnage of his inauguration speech in 2017. Matt Connolly's our host. So I want to thank everyone for coming. Uh, what a great event. It's, it's, it's nice to have, uh, to have all the folks here, the supporters. Um, the He's running as a Republican candidate for Congress. And people are here adding their signatures in support of his campaign. There's one person in a red MAGA hat Someone's got a jeweled Trump brooch, and a nice woman called Dolores is adjusting her Trump 2020 scarf. This great economic success. Yeah, let him have it. Hey, fair is fair. They're not nice to him, he's not going to be nice to them. When it gets going, they have a lot of sport mocking Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House. And they're genuinely moved to tears when the President pulls off a TV showman stunt reuniting an army sergeant with his family in the audience. I talked to Melissa Fry, whose husband was in the military. She's just retired from a government job in D.C. And she tells me she was always for Trump from day one. My son used to idolise Donald Trump. And when he was like 10, he always said, I'm going to grow up and be like Trump. So we've had his book. When his book came out, my son always just... He was enamored with, with Trump. And what springs to mind for you as the, the big achievements? Oh, the trade. We were getting killed on trade. I mean, it, try to find something made in America anymore. It was unreal. Everything was being imported. And, um, you know, the prices were very cheap. But that means no jobs here. This area, a lot of my family worked in the factories. All those factories closed down. There's no clothes being made in the, in the valley anymore. There was tie factories shirt factories, dress back, all these factories, they employed a lot of people. Do you imagine that's going to come back though? Um, I don't know if it'll come back because they were very low wage. They worked on peace rate. Um, so they were really low wage pay. Right now what seems to be coming in here is warehousing. 
so things are being made and warehoused out of the valley. I see. So how, how are you feeling about this election year? Trump's going to win. I have no, no doubt. doubt. No doubt. Um, I don't think it even matters who runs against him. I think um, I think he's confident enough and he's good enough. I really think he's made a lot of progress and people got used to him. You know, they kind of, at front, at, up front he was crass, he wasn't presidential, they kept saying, but I don't think that matters anymore to people. I think they got used to him and it's like, and he did get better. He learned to behave a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, I think people just got used to the fact that this is the way he talks. And I've known New Yorkers, I've known many people that they're crass. They just... They say it, and whether you like it or not, it doesn't. It doesn't matter to them. They said what they thought. They said what they. And I always appreciate people when I know where they're coming from. And to the members of Congress, the state of our union is stronger than ever before. Yeah, there we go. In the room, there was just a tremendous confidence that Trump would win, no matter who he faces in November. They aren't scared of the opponents, and they see a man delivering on that slogan of his, promises made, promises kept. And my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come. We're coming to the end of our time here. It's Wednesday, and today Trump's impeachment trial came to an end, with him in the clear as no witnesses were called. Trump looks strong, just as the Democratic hopefuls stumbling out of Iowa look quite shambolic. At this point, I'm asking myself, should Democrats just resign themselves to another four years of Trump? I've been thinking back to that conversation we had with Professor Boric on Monday. So we're looking around your office here, and you know, there's a copious number of enviable political books we can see um, I can't see a crystal ball but I am going to ask you who do you think is going to get the Democratic nomination and who is going to win in Northampton County Wow, I'm not, I'm not very good at, at uh, prediction but uh, since asked um, I, I've said all along I, I, I think despite his liabilities uh, and they are, they are significant that Joe Biden is is for an electorate at this point that is most committed to beating Donald Trump uh, the most likely candidate. Now, do I say that with high degrees of confidence that he's his path is is easy? No, I, I don't think it is, and I think he's he's got a lot to, to do. He's probably going to come out of the first two primaries with no wins. Uh, and a lot of pressure on him. Um, but he's, he's shown some resilience. Um, if he stumbles, then it gets really interesting. I do think that ultimately the Democrats turn to a more moderate candidate, but I wouldn't take it to the bank. <laughs> Either way, he thinks it's going to be really close. There's no wave in 2020 coming. It's more trench warfare. And if I was looking for an analogy, it seems so much more little by little, right? Street by street. So I pushed him. He's leaning Democrat in Pennsylvania, but only if they run a moderate candidate. We made it through the week. We're reminded by the Super Bowl that victory can be won or snatched away late on. We found some passion on all sides, determined Democrats, 
and buoyant Republicans. But we had one more stop I wanted to make, at a shop called Miller's Paint and Wallpaper, in the town of Bangor, to visit the very first person you heard, Dwayne Miller. He's got deep roots in this community, running the chain of stores his granddad started in 1923. He was a Democratic mayor of Bangor for 16 years, but four years ago, he made a last-minute decision to vote for Trump. Is there anything off the top of your head, whether it's him in a trade war with China or whether it's how he asserts himself on the world stage, is there anything that you think, actually, I quite like that? Yeah, his policy, his attempt to do something on the international trade, I initially thought was good, but his North Korean policy uh, hasn't, you know, worked. His Middle East policies are shambles, in my opinion. The fact that he betrayed the Kurds after they gave up their their lives for, you know, to be America's allies. Uh, Can I ask you to think about November? Um, have you have you considered the Democratic field at the moment? Is there anyone that you like? Anyone who you think can beat Trump? I think the Democrats are uh, running all over the place like chickens without their heads on, looking for someone to beat Trump. And if they can't concentrate on uh, one one policy or a political stance, uh, they'll probably lose again, even though the, the sentiment seems to be, uh, in my opinion, 50-50, but anti-Trump right now because of his personality. So can I just throw a couple of names at you then? What do you think of Bernie Sanders? A socialist, probably not so good, but he sounds good, you know, and what's it called? Biden, Biden is very conservative and he's old and so-and-so, but he's been around the world a long time. Um, I uh, I guess being a uh, brought up as a Pennsylvania Dutch person, I tend to be a chauvinist. So sometimes I don't maybe vote for the women for that reason because they're. But, so what about Elizabeth Warren? No, the uh, no, she's too radical. And do you have any thoughts on um, Pete Buttigieg as well, who who seems to be in the mix? Uh, He's a man too young, too young, and... uh, Not enough experience. Right, yeah, not enough. So out of all of that, it sounds like, does it sound like you're leaning to, if you could choose, you'd choose Biden? Yes. Right now, that's why. Biden is more conservative. I know he's old. he, He doesn't give a very effective speech, but it's a lot better than Donald Trump's. And he's he's very conservative, you know. And yeah, so I would uh, right now I'd tend to favor Biden. Yeah. And, and just to be absolutely clear about this, are you going to vote for whoever stands against Donald Trump, or would you repeat your Trump vote? No, I probably would not repeat my Trump vote. Yeah. A tortoise. We're trying to do journalism differently and build a slower, wiser type of newsroom. Quality journalism doesn't come for free, though, and we depend on our members to fund our reporting. And if you're enjoying the podcast, the best way to support us is to join us. So if you're an iOS user, download the app from the App Store and get the first 30 days free. Or otherwise, visit our website, tortoisemedia.com, and join us there. Hi. 
Hello, I'm Giles Wittell, Tortoise's Deputy Editor. On the News Meeting podcast, we try to make sense of what should be leading the news with three guests who each pitched the story they think matters most. And once a month, we record a live episode in our newsroom. The next one is on the 27th of March, and I'm going to be joined by the brilliant author and podcaster Elizabeth Day. To come to the event and tell us what you think should lead the news, go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash book. That is tortoisemedia.com forward slash book.